Amen. Good morning. Um, so glad to be here this morning with you guys. So glad to um, continue this series we've been talking about the past few weeks called the, the Holes in Us. And I think maybe possibly this is the last week of that when, when God laid it out. This was the last verses he he gave me. And unless he changes something, we're going on to something else next week. But man, I just I don't want to leave the idea of what God is saying in this Um the reality of it is for all of us, we have these holes in our lives, these areas in us that we just don't feel like that we're enough, uh, that we feel like we're missing something. And if we're honest, and I know that's like hard to do because you got to take some walls down, but um, that's that's everybody in the room. It's everybody we know. And you can like look around and it's easy to point out like other people's areas where they feel like they're missing something. But man, it takes something deep and personal to to open up your own life and to look in that. But the reality today is we all feel like we're missing something there's some area in our lives that we're just not enough and um, usually that I think is caused by something that's happened in our past maybe some wound that that we have caused or someone else has caused or maybe even just some lie that we have believed and what we do with those areas is we try to fill those places with with something and we've been calling that the past few weeks our, our medication that thing that we feel like makes us feel whole and that can be anything. It can be a person. It can be a place. It can, it can be money. It can be power. It can be opportunity. It can be a job. It can be a house. It, it can be anything. I know, like, I, I hate to list things because when I list things, if I don't list your thing, you think you're good. And the reality of it is, like, none of us are. We all have issues and struggles. And, and we all have these places and these things that we try to shove into those places. But the, the truth that we all know today that we never want to talk about today is we know that those things are not enough. That those things cannot fill that emptiness or that void in us. We keep trying the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. And we know that we leave empty every single time. And that's what we've been talking about the past few weeks is like those things are not meant to fill us. It's Jesus that is meant to fill us and to make us whole, to make us feel like we are enough. Like that's that's what Jesus does in our hearts and our lives. And this morning we're going to continue talking about that idea and we're going to do that in Jeremiah chapter 2. I know maybe for some of you you're like, ooh, Old Testament, we don't go there a lot. Um, <laughs> um, and uh, to be honest, that's, that's true. We don't go there a lot. Um, but this morning, this this verse is just something that I felt like God was pushing us towards and um, the book of Jeremiah is, I'll be honest, not maybe a book that I, I love a whole lot because I feel like Jeremiah is kind of like whiny. Um, <laughs> um, but if I wrote this book, it would probably also be whiny because I'm, maybe that's why I don't like Jeremiah because I complain about as much as he does. But um, man, the book of Jeremiah is um, about Jeremiah the prophet, this guy who comes to the people of Israel and he, and he tells the people of Israel in the name of God, like, hey, if you've chased these other things, you've left God, you've abandoned God, and, and you've started chasing other gods and other things, and if you don't turn back, there's something bad going to happen. That's the summary of, of the book of Jeremiah, and we know like how that kind of ends up. If you know much about the Old Testament, it's kind of a reoccurring story isn't it God's people God does this amazing thing he rescues his people they they see the power of God they they see God do something amazing and then you know just a little bit later we're chasing something else and then God steps in and he's like hey I'm still here uh, you remember me you can come back 
you know, and if you don't come back, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn you back, <laughs> but, um, but you can come back. And that's kind of the story of Jeremiah and really the story of us. God does something amazing in our life, and then just a couple days later, a couple moments later, maybe we're out here chasing something else. And God's standing there like, hey, remember me? <laughs> I can relate to that. I, I am these people. And I know, like, we don't want to talk about that, right, because that's uncomfortable. And we showed up to church this morning, and we sang the songs this morning, and we're sitting here listening to somebody this morning. But, man, so were these people. These people never left their religion, but they often left their God. I can relate to these people. God does an amazing thing, and a few moments later, I'm chasing something else. And God brings me back, and a few minutes later, I'm chasing something else. And this is just the, the continued story today that we get in Jeremiah. In Jeremiah 2, um, I, I love it because Jeremiah just gets to the heart of the issue, and the issue is the heart really fast. In, in 2, he, he starts out and he says, the, the word of the Lord came to me. That's a good thing if you're a prophet. Um, you want that to happen. If not, you're probably not a very good prophet. But he, he says, the word of the Lord came to me, and then he starts telling the story about what that looks like. And he, he said this, God said this, Go and announce directly to Jerusalem that this is what the Lord says. Go talk to Jerusalem. I think it's so important because sometimes we listen to the Bible and we, we start thinking it's for other people. This is, you know, like we've got our salvation. We did the thing. We prayed in the front of the room one time and we cried maybe or mom said we cried because we can't remember the experience at all. But like somebody told us that we were saved or we kind of remember that we were saved. We did the thing and then we got up and, and we went back to the church thing. And now everything we read isn't for us anymore because it's just for lost people. And what's weird about that is, like, I don't really see any of the Bible who's really for lost people. This is God speaking to God's people. That's the, that's like the whole reason that we come in this place and we hear this thing. And, and in this, we see this very clearly. God looks at Jeremiah and he says, go talk to Jerusalem. What is Jerusalem? It's the capital city of, of the people of God. Jerusalem is like the, the holy city. It's the place where the, the temple of God is, and inside the temple of God is the ark, and then on top of the ark dwells the presence of God on, on planet Earth. It's a pretty amazing place. And, and God looks at Jeremiah, this prophet, and he says, go to those people. He doesn't say, go over there to those people that have never seen God, or go over there to those people that have never heard from God. And He says, I'm going to speak to my people today. And he looks at Jeremiah, and he says, hey, go, go speak to Jerusalem, and, and this is what you're going to say. This is what the Lord says. Now, this is phrase, kind of if you have a King James, maybe, is, is thus saith the Lord. You've heard that a lot. This is what the Lord says. Uh, that's a phrase that happens, I think, 300, and I'm, I'm going to try to get the, the number right, 349 times in total in the Old Testament. Thus saith the Lord. This is what the Lord says. 349 times in the Old Testament this occurs. But what's crazy is that it occurs 157 times just in the book of Jeremiah. 157 times in this book, God speaks. This is, this is what God is saying. Now, what's unreal about that is what is this book about? It's about a people that have left God. They, they know God. They're, they're God's people. God's called them out. They know God. But they've turned from God to follow other things and other gods. And 157 times in this book, God speaks to those people. And then the, the, 
the truth of every time he speaks is normally this, come back, come back. These people have seen God do amazing things and they've left God over and over and over and over again. And God speaks into that over and over and over and over again. And I love that today because like we, we think, oh, God in the Old Testament is so different than God in the New Testament. It's the same God. The heart is the same. Come back. The heart is always come back. God's always making a way for people to come back. And here is a people that have left God. They're God's people. God's called them out. He's done amazing things. And 157 times he speaks to these people and he's like, come back. Now, what's amazing about that today is like this is this is the heart of everything we're about to read. We're about to read something that's going to be really hard for some of us to hear if we're honest. But but the heart of everything we're about to hear is come back. God's always saying come back. And I don't know where you are today, where you walked in today, what your relationship with God looks like today. But I want you to know that's the character of God today. Come back. The character of God is not, oh, you're such an idiot. Oh, you messed it up. You're, you're hopeless. You're helpless. You're gone. I'm never letting you come back in this place. You knew me and then you left me. That's not the character of God. The character of God is even in, even in your worst moments. I'm, I'm going to talk to you and I'm going to talk to you. and I'm going to talk to you and I'm going to talk to you and I'm going to talk to you. And I'm going I'm to offer this. You can come back. I just think it's important we start with that today. Because how many of us, like if we were to be honest today, we're like, I just don't feel as close to God as I used to. If we were honest, if we've ever felt close to God at all, a lot of us are probably on the, I don't feel as close today as I used to. I just want you to know what God's saying in that is you can come back. So he speaks to these people and he says to Jeremiah, go to my people, go to Jerusalem, go to the religious people, the people that know me, the people that I've called out. And I want you to speak to them and I want you to say this. And he starts saying, this is what God says. I remember the loyalty of your youth. It starts out amazing, right? Sounds like a compliment. You keep reading it. It sounds like a love letter for just a moment. I remember the loyalty of your youth, your, your love as a bride. How you followed me in the, in the wilderness in a land not sown. Israel was. Catch it. Holy to the Lord. You were the first fruits of the harvest and all those who ate of it found themselves guilty and disaster came to them. This is the Lord's declaration. It starts out like a love letter, and you're like, man, this is great. These people are awesome. I mean, no wonder God's speaking to them. You've got, you got to love these people. I remember how you, you, you used to be so loyal. Remember that? But then, like, do you hear it in the language? Do you remember when you used to be loyal? He calls these people back to a moment that they were loyal. They're not loyal now. But God just speaks to him. He's like, man, do you remember what it used to be like? Remember how you used to be loyal? Do you remember how close we used to be? How you would only follow me? How, how, how was your God? And now you're, it's not. How, how you loved me? You used to love me like a husband loves his bride. Do you remember that? And that moment where, like, man, you were just so excited. I get this image when I hear that of this like moment of a wedding where the groom's on the stage and the bride's walking down and the groom just starts like crying. Some grooms don't do that, but like some do and they start like crying. They're just so excited. They're overwhelmed emotionally. And this is what he's saying. You remember that? Remember when you used to be so excited about me, you just be overwhelmed, overcome and you'd weep. You remember that moment? Remember how you used to follow me? And then he, he says even this, like follow me in the wilderness. 
Not just follow me like when everything's great and the, the, you're living in the three-story house with the seven-car garage. But you remember when you used to follow me in the wilderness and in, in the desert and the, in the moments where you just didn't know what was happening. You weren't like safely, securely living in some city. You just would follow me anywhere is what he was saying. You remember that? Not just follow me when times were great, but follow me like in all the times in a land not sown. Didn't even know where your food was coming from. He says, Israel, man, you used to be holy to the Lord. You were set apart for me. You were only mine. And you remember like I used to defend you. I've been reading the Old Testament recently and you see like over and over again, like these amazing things happen. These like brick makers come up against like the mightiest armies in the world and Somehow it works out. Can't swing a sword. I can throw a brick. Like, and we just beat the most mighty army on, on the planet. Who did that? It's God. He looks at these people and he's like, remember what it used to be like. And that's where I like start feeling it, right? Remember what it used to be like. And I hate those moments in my life where I'm in a place where I used to be in this closeness with God that now I don't have. Do you know, in, in all honesty, those are, I was talking to somebody about this the other day, those are like the loneliest moments. You can be surrounded by people, but you just know like there's something wrong here. You're like, man, I just feel so empty right now. And he's speaking to these people and he's calling them back to that. You remember what it used to be like? He speaks in four and he says, hear the word of the Lord, house of Jacob. I'm speaking to you. And all families of the house of Israel, here is what the Lord says. What fault did your fathers find in me? That they went so far from me. What I do. So it's a question, right? He, he switches from the statement where he's calling him back into this moment of, of question. He says, what did I do? What did I do that your father has just decided they, they didn't want me anymore? What was the thing? They, they, they left me and it says they, they started following worthless idols. And in turn, they became worthless themselves. Thing that set these people apart was they had like the living God, the, the true and living God. That's the only difference. Like Moses even says it one time, how are we going to be distinguished among all the peoples of the world if your presence doesn't go before us? What makes us different from them and them and them and them and them except for you? What we're defined by is God, but we've left God and now we don't even have a definition. We got nothing. He says, well, what did I do? What did I do that caused them to leave me and to go and follow some worthless idol? He's like, wouldn't it be silly if this was our God today? Wouldn't it? I mean, yeah, it serves a function. I can't, the prince little, I can't even read it without it. But where's it really going to get me? He's like, this is what these people have done. They've, they've started following these, these handmade gods. These gods made by people, not a God that made them. They've lost their purpose. And six, he says, they stopped asking, where is the Lord? They stopped seeking God. They stopped looking for God. 
And then he goes on and he, he begins to remind them about what he's done and who he is. They stopped asking, where is the Lord who brought us from the land of Egypt? God did that, rescued them out of captivity, called them out, who led us through the wilderness, who didn't let us perish in the wilderness, but led us through the wilderness, who led us through the land of deserts and ravines, through the land of drought and darkness, a land no one traveled through and where no one lived. He's like, this is the state that we used to be in, and God pulled us through and out of that state. God says, I brought you to a fertile land to eat fruit and to eat its fruit and bounty. And pulled you out of all that and I brought you to this better place. And this is what you did. You made my inheritance detestable. He says, the priest quit asking, where is the Lord? The priest didn't quit being priest. They just quit asking where... Is God, they, their, their job is to seek the Lord on behalf of the people, and, and they quit that. They, they continue to be priests, but they quit doing what priests should do. The experts of the law no longer knew me. They didn't quit becoming experts of the law. They knew the law, they just didn't know the God of the law. And the rulers rebelled against me. These people that were supposed to lead God's people towards God, they, they rebelled against God and led the people away. And the prophets prophesied by Baal and followed useless idols. The people who were supposed to speak on behalf of God to the people started speaking on behalf of somebody else. Now what's so important about that is we see that, and these people didn't quit being religious people. They just did it without God. Why is that important this morning? Because we can be religious people, but be a people that do not know God, do not follow God, do not value God, do not love God. We can be a people that value religion over the God that we should have a relationship with. We can be people that value church service rather than serving and loving God. We can be people that value singing Overseeing. How do you know that? Because the Old Testament speaks of it over and over and over again. We are prone to religion, but we often will leave our God. Now, why is that important? Because I think for a lot of us, our relationship check with God looks like this. Did I go to church? If I went to church, I'm good. If I didn't, I'll go next week and then I'll be good. Did I listen to Caleb this week? Did I try not to cuss too much? Did I give? Did I preach? Did I sing? Did I serve? Right? Like all, all the spectrum of it. And the truth of it is we can do all those things without God. We can come to church without a love for God. We can sing songs. We can listen to Caleb. We can wear the right clothes. We can be moral people. We can, we can do all that without God. And that's what we see here. Sometimes the religion is the medication. And he looks at these people, these very religious people, God's people, and he's like, there's something wrong. He says, and none, therefore, because of this, I'll bring a case against you. He's like, let's go to court. This is the Lord's declaration. I will bring a case against your children's children. 
10, cross over to Cyprus and take a look. Now, Cyprus is not Israel. It's a different people, follow different gods, what we would consider pagan people. He says, go look at them. Send someone to Keter. And consider carefully, send someone to them. Keter is another pagan nation, just not Israel, not God's people, not called out for God. But they, they followed some other god, some idol, something. Just go look at them. Go examine the people around you is what he's saying. And, and consider carefully or think about this. See if there has ever been anything like this. See if anybody else has ever done this. And he begins to explain this. He says, has a nation ever exchanged its gods? Has it happened anywhere else? Has, has Keter just miraculously switched gods one day? Just, ah, you know, go with this guy. Has Cyprus ever just, eh, you know, like he's not doing it for us anymore. We'll just build another idol. He's like, look at the pagan nations. Those who, those who don't know me, who aren't called out by my name, they're very passionate about their God, and he's not even really a God. They've never switched, and he's not even really. They're so devout, and he's not even really a God. Let me just fast forward a couple thousand years. Um, you see these other religions and, and these other people that follow other gods. They're, they're very devout to their gods. And then we look at the church. Right? It's the same. They believe and they live after and chase after something that we know is not really a God. And they have greater faith in that rock or that stick than some of us do in, in the God who we trust for all eternity. We're not so different than these people. And he says this, um, Yet my people have exchanged their glory for useless idols. My people have exchanged their glory for useless idols. This is what, this is what you've done. You were these people, right? The Israelites, they were called out by God, like picked out on the whole planet. These were God's chosen people. This group of people are people that God said, you're mine and I'll be your God. The true and living God, the one who breathed out the heavens, right? Like this is the one we're talking about, not some God that was made up somewhere in a storybook, but the God who made everything up. He picked out these people. Everybody else had idols. They had some thing they followed, but there's one God and this God picked out these people. And this glory they're talking about is that, this, this, uh, this honor of or this beauty of this relationship that, that this God has called out these people. And he says, you've exchanged that beauty for worthless idols. The thing that made you different, the thing that, that made you not like anybody else, this, this God, you just exchanged that to become like all these other people. And he says in 12, be horrified at this heavens. He's like, calls the stars to bear witness. And he's like, the stars should even be shocked at this. Be shocked and utterly appalled. This is the Lord's declaration. This is the state of these people. 
These religious people, these people that God has called out, have, have left God and they've began to, to follow idols, other things. This God who over and over and over again has rescued and proved himself to these people. And they just so easily turn to something else, some shiny object, some other thing. This is, this is the Lord's declaration in 13. My people have committed a double evil. Not just an evil, but like an evil evil. Here's the first one. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water. It's the first evil. They've abandoned me, the fountain of living water. He calls himself this fountain of living water. Two weeks ago, we read a story about how he sat at a well, and he says, I'll become a well springing up inside of you. It's the same God. He says, they have abandoned me, the the source. I'm the thing that has the ability to fulfill, to fill and fulfill. I'm that. I'm sufficient. I'm enough. And they've abandoned me. I have, I have power and ability. I'm, I'm the source and they've, they've left me. And that's evil number one. Evil number two is this. And they've dug out cisterns for themselves. Cisterns are these storage tanks for water. You, you'd use them to... Store up rainwater you could drink for old time until they became empty. These, these cisterns, they've dug out cisterns for themselves. They've made something that they thought could be a source. And these cisterns are cracked cisterns that cannot hold water. But here's the reality of these cisterns, he says. They can't do anything. They cannot do a thing. Here's the double evil. They've left me. I'm the source. I'm sufficient. I'm enough. This is what God's saying to these people. I'm I'm the one that can fill and fulfill. And and they've decided that I'm not enough. That's the evil here. Here is God who made everything, who called these people out, who's put his stamp on these people. He says, you're mine and I'll be yours. And they've said, you're not enough. I don't see that as valuable. I don't want that. I don't care about that. I would rather have something else. It is an evil to devalue God. And I would even say to you, it's the original evil. What happens in Genesis 3? God didn't care about fruit. They said, God, I would rather have this than you. That's the fall. That's the sin. That's where it all comes from. All all sin comes from that place. That is the root of sin. God, you are not enough. Every issue in our life, every error in our life, everything that we do, that we choose something else, like we we prune away at like the, the things that we can see. But the root is this. We do not see God as valuable. Not in every situation, not in every moment. If you're struggling with a a sin in your life, an area of your life, here's here's where we can trace it back to. In that moment, I have said, God, I don't care what you say. This is more valuable than you. I want this thing more than you. I want this pleasure more than you. I want this person more than you. I want this substance more than you. I want this relationship more than you. I want this more than you. In this moment, in this place, I would rather have this than you. And we see it, right? God, God, God has opinions on everything, right? Relationships has opinions on that. He has opinions on, on, on things that we should do and things we shouldn't do. And, and we, we look at that, and the reason we do or do not do those things is in that moment we say, God, I don't care what you say. I want this over you. And he says, that's, that's the evil. The evil is not the sin. The sin is just the fruit, the root. 
is that somehow we've, we've decided some other object, some other thing is just, it's greater, it's more valuable than God in that moment. And here's what's crazy about that. Right now, when we were singing those songs, we are like, God, you're so valuable. God, I see it, I see it, you're so valuable. Maybe even right now, like we hear this, we're like, God, I believe, I believe you're valuable. And maybe we'll leave here and we'll be like, God, I believe you're valuable. And, and maybe we'll make it through the night and we'll get into the next day and we'll be like, God, I believe you're valuable. And then the next day, God, I believe you're valuable. And then for five minutes on Wednesday, we pick something else. And I just want you to know in that moment, and I want me to know in that moment, what we're saying is, God, for this five minutes, I see this thing is greater than you. What is that? What is the root of that? That's idolatry. We've picked another God, and it might as well be this lamp. TV can be your God, right? Knocking TV. I love TV. I love to just sit around and not think because I think all the time. If I have a screen in front of my face, I'm just trying to get away from my brain. That's all I do. Just The wheels are always turning. I'm sleeping. Sometimes I'm even trying to think while I sleep. Like That's just what I do. And if I put a screen in front of me, it's, it's not that I'm ignoring you intentionally. I'm just trying to shut down because there's just too much sometimes. And I just need to breathe. <laughs> but man, when I put that screen in front of God, what am I saying? This phone is more important than you. I see this phone is more important than you, God. It's more valuable right now than you. If I put the TV in front of God, that screen, that's my God right now. I love this screen. I love this screen. It's valuable. It's more valuable than you. And we would never, that's the dangerous thing. We would never express that with our lips. No person in their right mind would ever say, God, my TV is my God. But if we pick it over God, isn't it? No person in our right mind would ever say, this person is my God. This person is just like, that's, that's all I think about. It's all I want. Like, I just, I just crave this. Like, it's my God. I want to I worship this person. We would never say that. We would even make that seem okay. We would justify that. Well, I go to church. I listen to Caleb. Man, if that's the seat of our affection, if that's the thing we think the most about, if that's the thing that we crave, is, isn't it our God? That can be family, that can be somebody else. This substance, this pleasure, it can be anything. And that's the cisterns he's talking about. And we all know it, don't we? How many of you get up from watching TV all day and think, man, I'm so full right now. Not the way you leave worship. We've been singing about God and you've been expressing these truths to him and really singing these truths over your heart. Not the way you leave worship if you've really worshipped. You can leave worship full. You can't leave the TV full. Leave it frustrated. You can't leave it full. How many people can fulfill you the way that God can fulfill you? If you've ever experienced God, he's not talking to people that have never experienced God. If you've never experienced God in this room, I'm not even speaking to you right now. But those of us who know God, who know what it's like to have a relationship with God, who have been there, this is who he's speaking to. He's saying, what has that person done for you? When have you, when has that relationship with that person fulfilled you like I can fulfill you? 
when has family time done it for you? Like, when have you left family time? And you're like, man, I'm so full. And for days and days and days, I'm full. When, when has that happened? When has that happened? Like, when you just sit alone with my word. You just soak it in. And you let me speak these truths over your heart that I love you and I care for you and I've chosen you. When has it done that? And it can't. It can't. And that's what he's speaking to. He says, this is what you need to say to my people. You got to remind my people. You got to get to my people and you got to get right in front of them. And you got to say, I know you're still doing the religion thing. And I know you're coming to church and I know you're singing the songs and I know you're bringing the sacrifices. I know you're like trampling the courts of the temple. I know that, but I want you to think beyond that today. I want you to think beyond, I went to church today. I want you to think beyond, they sang the song that I like today. I want you to think beyond all that. And I want you to remember, this is who I am. I want you to remember where you used to be. I want you to remember what it used to feel like to be close to me, to crave me, to love me, to want nothing more than just to sit alone with me. I want you to remember that. I want you to feel that right now in this moment. And then I want you to see. Are you living like that? Was yesterday like that? Are you sitting here today thinking, man, do you remember when I used to be close to God? Are you sitting here today thinking, man, I just want to be alone with you? Are you sitting here today thinking about the good old days? Are you sitting here today thinking, man, this is the greatest I'm just here with the Father. I'm just alone with Dad. See, the reality of it is today, we as God's people are prone to wonder. He writes that, right? We see God, we experience God, we, we feel Him do something in us, and we're like, man, so, on, we, what do we call it, on fire? No, that's normal. That's just the engine is running today. There's no such thing as on fire. That's, that's just where we should be. That's the baseline. That's the normal. On fire is a myth. It's something that we decide after we come back from church camp where we actually maybe got alone with God for a few moments. It's something that we decide after maybe God speaks to us one Sunday morning out of the past six because we came in like maybe even just halfway ready to hear from him. On fire is a myth. On fire is normal. That should be normal for us. Everything else is lukewarm. And he's calling us up to that. He's saying, you can, you can, you can really live like this. What, what, if, what if we started every day with, man, I love how you're just so loyal today. And it was so great when you woke up this morning and you just looked at me like a, like a bride. I'm so excited today, God, because I'm awake and I get to be with you. I love how you followed me today. Man, didn't parts of the day suck? I mean, you just were right there with me. That's, that's normal. But we'll never be at normal until we say, God, 
I just believe today that you're valuable. 